0: Okay, we have some heavy stuff to cover. I think this will be our most controversial <laughs> session. Save the best for next class. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, best. the last is just to
1: appease <laughs> uh, the, well, the
2: last is to uh, inspire us. Um, this is on total gravity. The original sin. i to start with total gravity, and that's not what I'm going to talk the most about. Basically. What we're going to talk about with total depravity is not to challenge the doctrine of total depravity, but to clarify what that means. Because, at least for myself, I do accept and teach you know, all the five points of Calvinism. So, uh, but I'm going to read something from Botner about what total depravity really is. Uh, and even he calls it total inability, not total depravity. Because total depravity can. Uh, Capcom, all connotations. Anyone, mm-hmm. Does anyone have an idea why
1: that might give us a story? Well, astray. first of all, is, is the uh, connotation of the word gravity, more base, is different than uh, inability. I I like total inability as well. Since uh, Calvin himself explains that we are intrinsically evil and not intensely evil, right. meaning we are not Depraved, as the word depraved is connoted today, is a uh, defined state. So we are capable, incapable of choosing the ultimate good uh, in our natural state. In our natural state, yeah, that's uh,
2: And that's what we mean. Yeah, I'm going to read this definition by Otner, it's uh, for Betner, I guess, is the proper pronunciation of his name. This doctrine of total inability, which declares that men are dead in sin, does not mean that all men are equally bad, nor that any man is as bad as he could be, nor that anyone is entirely destitute of virtue, although I personally think there probably are those that are entirely destitute of virtue, nor that human nature is evil in itself. In other words, the problem is not humanity, but humanity is what God purposes to redeem. So when we talk about uh, to err is human, no, to err is not human.
1: To err is the flesh. That is a phrase that was invented by the Catholic Church when we were to err is human. <clears throat>
2: not that man's spirit isn't active. Of course, it's active at all times. And much less does it mean that the body is dead. What it does mean is that since the fall, of course, we're going to discuss that. Man rests under the curse of sin, that he is actuated by wrong principles, that he is totally unable to love God or to do anything meriting salvation. His corruption is extensive, but not necessarily intensive. In other words, it pervades all aspects of his uh, soul or spirit, including primarily the will and that's what total inability is focused on the depravity of the will none kind of us can will that which is acceptable to God or we cannot pursue God or find him you know, know him savingly uh, with the, what we inherit in conception uh, or what is I should say more accurately what the state that we're conceiving is we don't Inherits the evil part of it, which is what we're going to talk about later in the issue of original sin, the sin inherited towards it, created by God, the flesh, that is, the the nature.
1: It is in this sense that man,
2: since the fall, is utterly indisposed, disabled, and made opposite to all good and wholly inclined to all evil. He possesses a fixed bias of the will against God instinctively and willingly turns to evil. So that's uh, I just wanted to clarify total depravity because and the two doctrines are often spoken of as if they're one, total depravity and original sin, as if they're the same doctrine. And we're going to see tonight they're not the same doctrine at all. They're different doctrines and actually one of them that is original sin as it is historically understood and defining that I'm going to challenge whether that is biblical. What I've got here is to introduce the issue of original sin is a, an old book by William Horner called The Layman's Guide to the Protestant Theology. It's a Lutheran who wrote it. It has very immersive things to say about where the doctrine of original sin came from and what it is. And I think it's critical that we understand these facts. So it will require a little listening to get through this, but I think it will knowing. The great father of Orthodoxy for Western thought was Augustine. Mm-hmm. You've got to understand that. Right. Okay. He is a Catholic Saint and yet the Protestant Reformation leaned more heavily upon him than upon any other pre-Reformation thinker. We've already mentioned his contribution to the doctrine of the Trinity. Augustine was one of those rare mental geniuses who occur once in a thousand years. No, I'm not going to, no. we can debate that. <laughs> I think I know, he should have said someone that stirs up the, the pot or someone who shakes things would be more accurate there. Modern thought owes him many and unacknowledged debts, and that's true. Not that modern thought is right, but most of the doctrines that are still false in Protestantism are because they follow Augustine. Augustine drove men's thoughts inward to self analysis. And as one modern writer writers pointed out, about the only thing Augustine could learn from modern psychology would be its a jargon. Unfortunately, we can mention only one aspect of this great thinker's contribution. It was he who brought Morse, most forcefully, forcefully into Orthodox thought the concept of original sin. Before Augustine, Christian thought had expressed the faith that Jesus is a revelation of God was also the revelation of what man was created to be. So I'm going to skip a little bit here and move on to some more points that he makes about what Augustine's doctrine was. Um, but if this is the case, something seems to have gone wrong. Well, it's not something that seems to have gone wrong. The scripture tells us what it's Man, with his pettiness, his vindictiveness, his ceaseless crimes, both those of commission and of omission, is far from having him in him the spirit that was in Jesus. To this, Orthodoxy had said that man had fallen. And of course, that's all, is really what I'm challenging here, because I don't think that man fell from a state of perfection where he was just like Christ. Right. That's what that's suggesting. Adam, the first man, had used his God given freedom of choice (laughs) to choose against God and had pulled mankind down with him. Christ was sent to restore man to his original position, which was who? Adam. So that's what, according to this doctrine of original sin, and uh, the purpose of redemption is to get us back to where we were. Augustine dropped of the rest of Orthodoxy was worked out against a heresy, and of course he goes on with the legends, so I'm not going to read all of that. Augustine looked located the source of original sin, that is, the inherited weakness or inability to do good in man's pride. Turning to the story of Adam, Augustine pointed out that Adam was free. He had everything he could desire anywhere in Eden. But Adam desired one more thing. He desired to be free from God. Well, that's what I, you know, believe was ultimately turned out. But uh, of course, Isaac's son was perfect. He he resented his dependence upon God. He wished to take the place of God, so that the lure of the Serpent, that he might become as God. He ate the fruit of the tree. Um, Adam's sin was passed down to his descendants. Because each descendant is procreated through sex, there's a twofold source of sin. The sexual origin of each man is simple, and the tendency to sin is also inherited as a congenital weakness. Very critical to understand we are to understand the modern theologians who return to this doctrine, We we see that in Augustine there are actually two and villains. First, there is a psychological analysis of men, according to this, pride. And I things about pride being the center, and so forth. And that says Augustine's theory led him to the doctrine of predestination. This never became orthodox for all Christians, but we need it again, Calvinist orthodoxy. And of course, I've written why I believe Augustine's doctrine of predestination largely came from the philosopher Plotinus, who was a neo-Platonist, and who taught predestination in contrast to the philosophy of Plato. But it was not biblical predestination. It was a hybrid form of belief in predestination. And he still taught God created everything perfect, God is not the author of sin, God does not create anything evil, uh, but that this somehow arose without explanation and the creation. Uh, so, I've read and created and the description here that Adam is uh, to free from God, obviously know, denies that until a certain point in time. He doesn't believe that's what the Naked and not ashamed expression referred to. So, and then he goes on and explains how Calvin and Luther followed all this. They adopted all this thought into their own systems of theology. Um, And basically every aspect of it. When the Reformation occurred, the Reformers did not, for the most part, question any of these doctrines or orthodoxy that we have been tracing. It was the return of the doctrine of salvation by grace, emphasizing it in a way which it had not been emphasized since Paul. And he found the holding authority in the Bible, as as it was interpreted by the Holy Spirit working within a man's heart. And of course it brings up the priests of all the believers and all the, you know, the advances of the Reformation. But when it comes to these other doctrines, specifically the doctrine of original sin, they follow God in, in entirety. Now here's another point about a different doctrine that we need to understand as uh, a background to this. Does anyone know what the classical doctrine of atonement was for a thousand years? It's sometimes called the patristic the view, or the, and and just accepted the same view. This uh, is the view that came was to Satan. That's right, and it goes along with what we just been talking about. The so-called classical doctrine of atonement was accepted for more than a thousand years. He's talking about prior to Anselm, of course. According to this, Satan had gained the souls of men because they had sinned. But God made a bargain with Satan, he would give Satan the soul of Jesus, even though Satan did not deserve him. If Satan would release the souls of men who accepted Jesus, you, you know, where is this? Satan agreed, thinking that Jesus was only a good man. So God had negotiated all this with him. <laughs> this part of that uh, covenant in eternity, right? Well, it, uh, well it, it, this would have been, I guess, before the cross. So. But when he received Jesus, he found that he could not hold him, for he was the Son of God. So Satan ended up with neither the souls of those who accepted Christ, nor Christ himself. So God tricked the devil into taking all the souls away from him, and he paid the ransom to him. It's
1: pretty random today, yeah. You so, know, it's, it's still popular.
2: Yeah. So you know, that's, that's the back, some of the background we're going to discuss here. Um, so the question is, what is the biblical doctrine in Congress? All this, well, we've already discussed the biblical doctrine quite a bit this weekend. Um, as far as who the ransom is, of, if God determines to owe it to Himself.
1: The um, very important, unnoticed by many part of the scripture of Abraham is that Abraham almost prophesies or he makes a declaration, makes a statement, it's very important when he tells uh, uh, his son, when his son says, Well, I see everything here, but. His land and even says, God shall provide the land for himself. Right. So, since the early stages of the story of redemption, it was always to satisfy God.
2: Right. So Satan has nothing to do with you, nothing death. at all, <laughs> no part in it, no role in it. Uh, he opposed God through. Well,
3: exactly
2: the about, uh, and God used, the, right. he played his part in all the events that brought about, you know, the crucifixion and everything. But as far as uh, God, you know, negotiating with the devil or, you know, playing tricks with him, games or anything like that, you no, know, that's in the Bible. So uh, and I'm sure that the devil did not understand the atonement, nor does he understand it today. Mm-hmm. Well, oh, oh, actually, the he, Paul actually declares that. The devils do not understand the truth. They know parts of it, snippets of it, some of the language of it. Uh, they know there's one God. Uh, they don't know the gospel and what it truly is. If it's a, just to know it, it's to love it.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Well, even in, in uh, Ephesians, even speaks of it, even the good angels. Uh, gospel. The it's very simple wisdom of yeah.
2: it. Right. and uh, that's a wisdom that he has determined to communicate only to the elect and of course the angels the, the angels were they did not know it and, uh, and they cannot experience it in the same way as the elect because they never experienced sin and deliver us from it through his own only- now the question is, where did this doctrine originate that uh, sin is transmitted biologically, first of all, uh, from soul to soul through the parents, and that the soul itself really is passed from parents to child, that God, you know, that, that eternal souls are created by biological souls, which is what this doctrine who was the originator of that belief? You said about his name. It's not long before Augustine. It's just about a 100 and some years before him. There was a Christian teacher named Tertullian. And the oh, doctors called tertullianism. Right, it's, right. it's the notion that the soul itself has its complete, not partial, but complete origin in the parents. Um, so as parents, any you know, of us who are uh, potential parents or parents or parents, uh, we have the power to create an everlasting soul in all aspects of it through our physical bodies.
0: That's, that's what this doctrine teaches. Yeah, I've heard uh, people pray before, uh, you know, in their prayers, uh, mention that the only thing they passed on to their children was their sin. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah it, it is a sin. Something that can be passed on from human to human. So yeah. that that's not right. But sin, one their righteousness. Yeah. yeah.
4: Yeah, that's exactly. You find, exactly. You find a regenerate. Well, I think, the argument
0: is uh, that you're totally yeah. depraved. all oh, you can't just pass on this, this sin. You can't pass on any righteousness because you have none. But as a regenerate Christian, then that's totally depraved. no. I know, <laughs> <way. So, yeah. laughs> so But that's the argument. That's the argument you hear. And you, yes, just, you just refuted it. <laughs> so it's.
1: Well, th- th- there is a, uh, a uh, I would say, a line of Christianity today, especially within the Presbyterian Church, as far as I know. Uh, my uncle defends that, and he's a Presbyterian leader, that we can pass our holiness to our children as well. Because Paul says, uh, uh, you know, the children, if, if the marriage is holy, the children will be called holy. Uh, and and uh, obviously, it's not speaking about holiness in terms of salvation.
2: I've also heard the view, strangely enough, that uh, Christian parents or regenerate parents indeed do pass on naturally that regenerate nature to their Order. But God is there at the moment of conception to erase that. He only permits the evil to be passed on. That's how it's as worked. Well. We can only, the only, yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing
1: we can accept about this passing you know, of is what God promises, uh, the promises of God about our offspring. Other than that, there's nothing that we can do to either pass one or the other.
3: And that's what the Presbyterians
5: to the end of baptism, or two. That's who promise. What is all the Well, what I don't understand about all this is, is I don't understand, see, I've always thought that the doctrine of original sin had to do with the nature of man, not biological part of man, but the nature of man. That we inherit from our fathers and mothers, and from our father Adam, uh, an inherent sinful nature. All of the same. Now that's what I thought. original stand was, well, but what we're discussing here isn't something to do with biological The nature of man is not biological How do you How do you inherit
2: it? Well, yeah, the nature of man is not biological. everything passed from the parent to the child is violent. That's way. right. It is by the only yeah. It. yeah,
0: there's no spiritual principle that's passed along in the chromosomes. There are so much characteristics passed on from personality.
5: Well we don't pass on to our children in a perfect human nature. Yeah. This this is is, is, a perfect human nature is what we all should have, that's what Adam had before the fall, the perfect human nature. And we should all be passing on to our offspring, this perfect human nature. But since we all have an infected human nature that's infected by sin, it's not biological infection, it's a nature. That we can't help, and we are—it is come subdued by the act of Christ and by the work of the Spirit. And this that nature is subdued, but so we still. Have
3: to that, that brings us. That brings us. Now to that was us the us way us. I yeah, That brings us to the point where we we're talking about two dispensations. All of a sudden, before Adam fell, it was a dispensation that was perfect, and then afterwards. And, well, that, then, then.
5: And in predestination, you're believing that the simple human nature that a person has, God creates in every person.
1: Yeah, that's yeah, that's what we're going to go to. Yeah, yeah and, and, and all <laughs> all that is perhaps. Yeah, we're going to see if that was the ancient teaching. Yeah. yeah. But perhaps yeah. all that is because of uh, the over uh, uh, sometimes deliberate misinterpretation of what David declares about himself. I was conceived in sin, and in sin, born with my mother, or my mother yeah. gave birth to me. So, it was, we, immediately, well, we immediately assumed that his mother passed, or our father passed simple genes into right. her. He said, Well, she, 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 all he's saying is she conceived him in sin, not uh, that they a holy person. No matter how holy they want to become, and what a fine Christian they might be, they're also going to the
5: same
2: but, well, their offspring are going to be conceived in a simple human nature, and the and is what we're, mm-hmm. well, there's no question that all their offspring will be conceived in iniquity, and in total depravity as we have defined it. Um, the question is, where does the soul come from, the, the origin of soul? And I remember when I, uh, years ago, I remember in, there was a Seventh-day Adventist speaker in Michigan uh, who I attended a, you know, and he was a controversial teacher at that time. His name was Dr. Desmond Ford. And I asked him, you know, what's the origin of the soul? Is it tradition or is it creation? And he didn't, you know, didn't bite. Didn't want didn't to answer that <laughs> uh, at that time. Because at that time, I was, that was the first issue I was struggling with with all of this, is, you know, how can you say that the soul comes from the parents um, when it is, the image, of, you know, when, if, if we're neglect, souls with the image of God resides. Uh, and therefore, if it's the image of God, why is it not created by God? Now, <coughs> we've, uh, I'm going to go back and read this statement that we've, you know, from the SC Scrolls, the teacher of righteousness, uh, on. The two natures. Until now, the spirits of truth and perversity have contended within the human heart. All people walk in both wisdom and foolishness. He's talking about you know, flesh versus. And when it says all people walk in wisdom, you know, the question is, you could know, say, well, is that really true? To the energy of the non-elect. I think it's just referring to the fact that they have some measure of knowledge that is true, even though they don't have the truth, you know. They, uh, as a person as a person's endowment of truth and righteousness, so shall he hate perversity. Conversely, in proportion to the the quest and the lot of evil, one will act wickedly and abominate truth. God has appointed these spirits as equals until the time of decree and renewal, and that means in humanity, not in each individual soul. As it says also he has granted them dominion over humanity so imparting knowledge of good and evil deciding the fate of every living being by a measure of which spirit predominates in him until the day of the appointed visitation, which is talking about the judgment. So um, all men have both spirits. of their conceived in iniquity but they're also conceived with to some degree I guess it's the saying wisdom. Or light, and uh, you know, that might seem to deny total gravity, but I think the issue here is being made is whatever knowledge, wisdom, truth is in the non-elect, it's completely dominated by the opposite spirit, and so it's you know squashed out. It, it's just like the devil's believing of one God. I mean, that's a certain amount of you know true knowledge, but it's completely distorted by the evil that is in them. Um, and i pointed out before, nothing in the scrolls possessed any belief that human spirits existed prior to the creation of residence in the human body. God creates the human spirit and body as a unity. This is my own teaching. And of course, the Hebrew perspective does not appreciate the material creation in any way. Now, I don't have quotes from the scrolls about, you know, the fact that God creates each human spirit. We know that is the teaching, we've been through that and published that many times. That the ancient doctrine of the teacher of righteousness was that God creates every soul. It's, it's not tradition, it doesn't come from appearance. The spiritual aspect of every soul is a new creation, and God is continually creating not only uh, new individuals. But he is created, you know, and he does it in conjunction with conception of the human body. He never, he doesn't create a spirit later, he uses it into a body or any of that. Uh, but he's also, uh, you know, created the idea that God never creates anything new. We've talked about that too. You know, when Jesus turned the water into wine, did he steal someone's wine in order to do it? Or did he actually turn water into wine? Um, when the manna fell from heaven uh, was that taken from somewhere else in the world and somehow mystically blended a bunch of ingredients together to create, or did it truly, really, did God really create it and send uh, you know, the loaves and the fish, did God steal someone else's bread in order to uh, provide that and so forth and and uh, the miracle there is probably the fish that Christ provided was already prepared. It wasn't, you know, raw fish with bones in it and all the rest. was all of a sudden you had, you know, uh steamed salmon there. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: <It's> <laughs> definitely, definitely, <but> Nothing. <laughs> Maybe salmon. <laughs> well it, the Bible doesn't say. No, but the, the point of it is
2: the implication that it was ready to consume here wasn't uh, Maybe it was uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. The liberation theology says
1: that... Um, so maybe it was a, yeah, a, yeah. Liberation theology priests say that uh, they use that name uh, that passage, quite a bit. They, they claim that when uh, the little boy presented his own lunch, everybody felt ashamed and decided to also offer their lunch as well. And everybody actually had a lunch. Was hiding, afraid that the other guy was going to ask him to And that is more, I mean, why do they invent? It? It's easier for even for a skeptic to believe in a miracle. It's less ridiculous than the argument he creates to counter argument miracle.
2: <laughs> the Hebrews refers to God as the father of our spirits. And I truly sure that that's what it's saying. God is the father of every spirit comes into the world um, and you know the book of Enoch continually refers to God as the Lord of Spirits all throughout the book You know, this was the ancient belief that God creates the spirit, each spirit um, and I'm going to read some from uh, our friend uh, Bacchini, Gabriel Bacchini his book Beyond the Sina. First of all, I'm going to read what he says about the teachings of Kudia, the teacher of righteousness. And he calls them the Sectarian Doctrine of Quran, and that's, you know, that's what this is. He says While historic determinism was a widely accepted concept in Middle Judaism, and it's talking about the Judaism before Christ, that's what Middle Judaism refers to the last couple hundred years before Christ came on the What is distinctive in the sectarian doctrines of Qumran are the implications of cosmic dualism on the individual level. God created the human to rule the world and placed within him two spirits, so that he would walk with them until the appointed time of his visitation. They are the spirits of truth and deceit. In these two spirits are the natures of all the sons of man. And in their two divisions, all the hosts of their generations have a share. In their ways they walk, and the entire task of their works falls within their divisions, according to a man's share, whether much or little, in all the times of eternity. So he says, you know, in his comment on that is um, the destiny of each individual is not simply affected by cosmic dualism, it entirely depends on it. It is God's dualistic creation, and by that he means God creates a soul with both spirits. Right, it's not God and the devil. Right, it's not God and the devil, it's God who created both. Right. The the devil creates nothing. Uh, In fact, God created the devil as he is in the view of uh, the ancients. Mm -hmm. We looked at that too and examined those quotations. It is God's law of creation that determines the party in which each individual belongs. Everything depends on the quantity of evil versus good spirits, and that's not referring to demons, it's referring to the measure of good or evil that a person has. The individual had no control whatsoever on God's decision. Now, we go to this contrary document of Judaism, the Testaments of the Twelve Patriarchs, that was written in the same time period. That we have all along. This is not part of the Dead Sea Scrolls, but now we know what this document was opposing, and this is the more common teaching believed by the Pharisees and other, you know, the and uh, Philo and so many other uh, Judaistic philosophers. It says the distance of the anthropology of the Testaments, uh, talking about this Testaments, the twelve patriarchs, this work. Uh, from the Qumran doctrine of the spirits could not be greater. In the Testaments, God is not the source of both the good and evil spirits. The presence of evil spirits is against both God and humankind. Not only is the internal struggle of deviation from the original plan of creation, in other words, uh, God created only good. And uh, and of course, therefore, you have to say, Adam was perfect as created by God. But also God has not preordained the outcome. The number of good and evil spirits is the same in each individual, which guarantees human's fairness in the struggle and gives the last word over to human responsibility. Well. It is the conscious of the mind that ultimately makes the difference in this theology. And of course, I've read this work, it's definitely the devil that creates the evil that's in man. Because they didn't believe in Tertullian's doctrine. The doctrine of traditionism did not exist in this area. so this what we need to understand. No one believes sin was passed on through genes like people believe today. They believed that the spiritual reality of sin came from of the devil. And they did not even try and explain this side of the uh, controversy Belial's origin, where the devil came from. It's almost like he's you know, co-eternal with God. It's and we refer to that as Manichaean dualism an idea that good and evil are two entirely separate, eternal principles from the past that are opposed to one another. God has nothing to do with God; only creates the good, and that the evil is uh, created by somebody else. In this case, Belial, and then later the Gnostic uh, that uh, stirred the early. Uh, Believers, uh, Martian, you know, attributed to a different god named. Uh, what am I saying right now? Uh, the Demiurge. But yeah, so the actual Demiurge is another god that competed with God. And again, it's Matthew dualism. It's the idea that evil is something that God has nothing to do with. He doesn't create it. He doesn't sovereignly control it. He allows it. He allows it to inspire. And for some dualists would question whether God has the power to do anything, you know, to uh, eradicate it or to counteract it entirely. So uh, so that's where we at now. If we turn to the scriptures, uh, let's finish with the other scriptures was the dark the fire in Not only now, but in eternity. So this is Cyrus B. Salem,
3: he's going to give the uh, treasures of darkness, which will be Babylon, the treasures of Babylon. Well the yeah, in this
2: case, so yes. Uh, and of course, that didn't occur fully at that point in history, yeah. as far as you know. They were delivered from Babylon, that they weren't given. Uh, well I imagine they did take some uh, treasures from there. But, Okay, so going on for Jacob, my servant's sake, Israel, my life. I have called you by your name. I have named you that you have not known me, referring to their captivity and have forgotten. The Lord, I am the Lord, and there is no other. There is no God besides me. I will turn you, though you, have not known me, because like of him. And that's a promise, not it's always. Amazing. Yeah. It's amazing.
5: First of all, can I say hi?
2: Amen. <laughs> that they may know from the running of the sun is setting there is none besides thee. I am the Lord and there is no other. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create what?
0: Evil. I yeah. <laughs> am the
2: Lord. I am the Lord of all these things. <laughs> Another place where raw is used uh, is Amos 3, verse 6. 6. six. 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 Yes, yes. Yeah. raw is a Hebrew. Genesis 6, 5 is you know, one that Gordon Clark uses. it's where The word is used also.
1: Uh, I mean, even why are you, you looking for a, you know, it? Is, it is calamity. I mean, there's, there's a declaration far beyond anything that any Christian, from all the spectrum of denominations, can well, accept. Right. If they accept yeah. that are all good or wrong, it's a tremendous growth. <laughs> yeah, I get
0: your point, <laughs> John. Lord, that's right. And even George Bush says that the tsunami was not created by God. That's right. <laughs> the tsunami <laughs> was not created by God. <laughs> <right. The> <laughs> <is not> created.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but calamity, calamity, not
0: wrong, just complete. That's yeah. the, that's that's the word said.
2: meaning all things. Dark belonging to the kingdom of darkness, yeah. which is what the word refers to. It refers to moral wickedness. It
1: refers to physical wickedness. Right, and we know right? people, you know,
2: things that occur in you know nature or you know when destruction by armies refer to all those types. You know.
1: And we know why uh, God is capable of giving the uh, treasures of darkness because He says, "I agree. You That's the whole point.
2: that's why I wanted to emphasize that earlier because. He created both the light and darkness, these kingdoms. And I have a Dead Sea Scrolls Bible at home, and it even says that that's the, in there, that, that you know, the interpretation of the scripture that means: that both the light and darkness are indeed kingdoms. Is there a reason that it's
3: translated by formula the light and create darkness? Does it basically mean the same thing, or is there a reason why it means. I kind
2: of formalized for camera This is one, okay. and, uh, the, yeah. the, uh, you know, the. You know, it says that left there be light. Right. Uh, and it's you know also to the physical darkness of creation, but it's uh, in the context of Isaiah when he says I'm going to try treasure of a he's referring to right? the whole empire of darkness, you know that God's going to give us everything that's salvageable out of that uh, to His people and use it for their blessing. And God will use, you know, his wrath on the wicked to bless his people. I firmly believe that I don't fully understand, you know, how that will be in all aspects, but I that I know that it is true based on his promise. Yes. Genesis six, five. Um, then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was created in the earth, that's that word rock. rock. So very interesting. The same. And there's, well, there's uh Gordon Clark is different. That's
3: exactly five. Five. Yeah, I think it's amazing how some of the commentators they want to translate the word or they feel comfortable with it. though. So change it from
2: calling out to even a river really cover all of it. My name is 3 6. Seven, seven,
1: so, in your, if I am any Coles? Have I not sent it?
2: But again, that word calamity is the translation of raw, which is uh, reduced in meaning uh, to, it's also a term of wickedness in the city. will not, the Lord it. In other words, when the Lord brings a judgment on a place, does it involve merely physical calamity, or does it involve the hardening of hearts and no, because
0: we see in Romans that God you know, gave man over you know, right. homosexuality. Yeah, homosexuality, is homosexuality homosexuality is a great sin but that was used as judgment yeah, that's right judgment. And, uh,
2: so you know, that's the concept there uh, but the idea is that there's nothing in scripture about what it says about God and what he does There's contrary to the notion that he can create his soul that also has a fleshly or, you know, the nature of evil uh, for his purposes. He, he did it with Satan. He did it with all the demons and they're, you know, I don't want to make a comparison. What demon came from biological conception? <laughs> I, I can remember pretty well. Uh, <laughs> See, we have to believe that every angel is created directly by God, right? right yeah. God. So why 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 do we change it for humans? Why do we change it for human beings? Yeah. Uh, that's because we can't yeah. see the connection that, the natural fact, we're all creatures, and angel is not that much different than a human being. They're we're equal creatures so of God. We're equal with finite. We're not we're temporal. You know? We're temporal. We, both you know service purposes and whatever manner that God has elected to use us to serve
4: them. Okay.
0: We got ten minutes on this okay. Um,
2: does anyone want to bring up any other scriptures at this point in time on the issue of God's sovereignty. So forth. We want, want to deal with injections. So you've got a couple of documents in the beginning. So Is that yet? Let's
0: try to put it together here. Oh, you're actually taking notes. Yes, yeah. okay. uh, Maybe we can just leave that for another time because we've got all that online. Uh, yeah. uh, that's, there's, I think Mary recently posted on you a list. On the forum, mm-hmm. where there's just tons and tons of passages where it shows God is, you know, sovereign over all evil and sin. Yes. So, I don't know if anybody here would have any objections to that. But Every objection to the notion that God creates the soul is
2: based on that. For sure, for yeah, God cannot create yeah. right. evil, therefore
0: He can't create
2: the If yeah, Psalm, of Psalms talks about that, With the dust your body
3: will return, and the soul will yeah. go back to God and
0: again. Hey, but that, 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 the objection to God not being the you know, creator of evil is easily you know, refuted with simple, simple logic. God created all things. Isn't he? Is, is evil or evil things or sin are those not things? Just heard of that <laughs> Colossians. Yeah. Yeah. This is very powerful. Uh, um, yeah.
3: Colossians yeah. On, this. on this point. Mm-hmm. Okay. Get the doctrine of the preeminence of Christ and all of that.
2: Invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. Now, of course, those who are Manichaeans would say, you know, that can't include this, that can't include sin, They can't include, uh, they, uh, yeah, they can't, yeah, they can't include uh, law, because God has to honor the law. The eternal law. I can't include time, I can't include space, because those are timeless <laughs> realities that, you know, We're never created. Right. By space, we mean not things within space, but space itself that everything occupies. Yeah, for is, <laughs> he
5: is before all things, and
2: he have all things to made right. together, so we're I mean, not talking about then, time. That's, that's right. And time is created, space is created, the law is all created. God doesn't subject himself to any law, any law that God gives, and creates, and subjects others <laughs> to. Other
1: yes. To use the language of those who actually oppose everything we teach, uh, they believe that when the Apostle Paul mentions the word principalities and power, and they make a tremendous fuss about the Greek words used for this, it means devil. So right here, using their own doctrine, <laughs> using your own doctrine, Okay, I'm a camera guy. I, care, I won't hey, hey, before, so I can't skip that. So, using their own doctrine, here Paul is declaring that God does create those So you know, Job says, God's I own the crooked
2: serpent." Exactly. Okay, it's Leviathan, the crooked serpent. God you. Of course, you know this. This comment here in this Bible I have, you know, tries to say the angelic hierarchy. That's so they don't. Uh, it doesn't admit that this is referring to the work of angels And right. uh, principles and the palace and refers to. Mm-hmm. They're trying to make they're, they're
0: trying page. to say that, you know, you only
2: it's only the you know
0: the good. Um, but but that I still understand why Paul would emphasize all things. You'd think he'd be afraid yeah. people would get a misconception if, if if he was trying to drive that point.
1: Not only that I, I repeat my point, I, you were absolutely right, and I don't. By the same token, I don't know why Paul would insist in using the same language that he used, especially in Ephesians, when he talks about principalities and powers, as oh, exactly directly it. referring to the working powers. Sure,
2: it's the same thing. He's saying that those powers exist as ordained by God. Yeah, and he's claiming that not only the good angels Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And, of course, we know about, you know, how this power is control because we saw it in the story where uh, the Lord decides to send a deception a lying spirit in the Old Testament. and uh, The demons come to him and say, we want to be these lying spirits because that is their nature. And the Lord says, yeah, go be a lying spirit. Tell them this lie. Exactly. And it says, God shall send a strong illusion who decided what that delusion should be, you know, we talked about that last like night, the delusion of Islam, who decided what the constant of that Latin was going to be, long before it ever existed. Is the decider of all things. the decider of all things. <laughs> right. And how many have been deluded by that? It's been a very
0: long, long delusion. It's <laughs> been <yeah. laughs> a very strong delusion. Long, long.
1: <laughs> almost. Long. long. I mean,
2: Okay, we well, here. Take a break. Okay, before we get into the implications of what we've just been discussing, I want to. I, there's another scripture here. And I think this is significant. Number 16, starting in verse 20. Numbers? Number 16, starting in verse 20. It's when God was angry with you know, the camp of Israel for their rebellion against Moses and Aaron. So then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, Separate yourselves from among this congregation, that I may consume them in a moment. <clears throat> then they fell on their faces and said, O God, that God is the spirits of all flesh. Shall one man sin, and you be angry with all the congregation. Again, we to think, what is the real implication of that type of confession about who God is, and the fact that What does he mean do the expression of God of the Spirits of all flesh in his context? No, does just say the God of all flesh or the God of all people? So the God of, what does he say, the God of the Spirits of all flesh? You're asking the question? Yeah. i had a thought on that. Well, he had the right to destroy them. It's, it's focusing on that aspect of man, in this case, the spiritual aspect of man's nature. And uh, um, that's what's at stake here in the event that's it's doing. It. I, I think, the, again, that's an expression that uh, is a biblical one, and that it is referring to God as the creator of all spirits. Now, let's look at the information that I'm going to start with, again uh, the non-elect angels, because we will start, of course, with Satan himself. The first question that we need to answer is: Does the Bible teach fallen angels? Is there such a thing? Well, not fallen, They're They're not fallen, fallen angels, mm-hmm. non-elect angels, right. but not fallen angels. They didn't fall from any state of glory or perfection. There's nothing in Scripture to indicate that such an event ever occurred. Uh, God created the principalities and powers, yes, created them to serve his purposes in their dominions as they are and he created them as they are uh, with whatever wicked intentions and purposes that they have. And Christ yeah. says the same thing about the devil itself. And you know what that scripture is. Uh, you're not forward. Liar from the beginning. Right. This harmonizes with again the doctrine of the teacher and of God created lie all evil. It says, John 44, you're your father the devil, talking about those who. I don't believe he's talking about. Elect here, and he said that it's not humanity in general. This talking about reprobate him in the word's presence. Mm-hmm. He says, You are your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning mm-hmm. and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of his What
0: chapter is that? John eight, verse oh. forty four. And I think you says it's pretty much the same thing First John. That's the origin of Satan right there. Right. Yeah. In the beginning. In the beginning.
2: Yeah. 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 And uh, that's all that Satan was created as this trick that God's purpose for Satan is to be the trickster of the deceiver. And that's his, his purpose for him, no other purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, the and that's, and the other demons are no different than I mean, God. They're all the same, created for the same, to be, to be just with different dimensions, serving different roles, but all for that same type of, same type of purpose. And of course, the elect angels, in contrast to that, you know, were never in a state where they might have rebelled or any of right. this stuff.
0: You wouldn't say that the angels or the, uh, the, the 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 demons would not be dualistic in nature in any sense. But so. No, no. Yeah. Humans. When we say angels,
2: we simply mean, you know, uh, created beings who are not human. We don't, that's really mm-hmm. all I can say about the nature of angels. I don't know, you know, that all about what they are and what they look like. You know, and human human biologists, biologists, you know. They have no powers. They have no human powers. Now, when one of his uh, purposes
3: for being created uh, in Job 41, uh, 33, he was made king of the children of Is that referring specifically to the Leviathan or the crooked serpent? Yeah, They're
4: saved.
1: Okay. Yeah. Right. It a, it's good a lovely sight to see a crooked same serpent. Yeah. yeah. I thought they were all pretty. Uh,
2: I thought they were all. I've never seen a straight one. And <laughs> <laughs> so we talk about the children of, of the devil. which Christ refers here to the reprobates right? as, you know, their father is the devil. What does that tell us, you know, when we think of uh, these discretion felon human beings, can we act, honestly look out in the world and see there are non-elect like humans out there or are these sons of the devil? They're the seed of, the the of the serpent. They're the seed of the serpent, exactly, the Bible. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, we tend to think, oh, well, I can't possibly. First of all, we hate the devil? Right. Does God hate the devil? Yeah. According to the Bible, God hates all workers iniquity, right? Um, and, uh, of course, I think that it's referring to the non elect and not to the sins of God's people. But, workers in iniquity refers to those We're not seen
0: as workers of iniquity Right, we're, we're not, not seeing, seeing them covering, covering like Christ. We yeah. yeah. are covering Christ, we're not seeing as workers of iniquity.
2: And David said, what does David say about non elect men and how he uh, I hate to. relates to them? Let's look at that Psalm
0: 139. I've had that psalm prayed against me. <laughs> song, prayed against me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was the Carpenter.
2: Who did that? Right, verse 19 of Psalm 139 this is after the other verses that we read in this chapter earlier.
4: Oh, that you would slay the wicked of God. I want you to hear that prayer. <laughs> God, get him. Against me. You <laughs>
2: part from me, therefore you bloodthirsty men. They speak against you wickedly. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate them, O Lord? Who hate you? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? Right. I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them my enemies. <laughs> so, so what does David say about the non- And yeah, think
0: bad. his attitude toward them. And that's that's the same attitude we should have. Except we just don't know who the non-elect necessarily are. Yeah, that's correct.
2: He's speaking in you know in terms of. For the most part, I mean, you know, we can talk about whether there are exceptions to that, but for the most part, he's talking about the fact that he knows there are reprobates in the that they are fighting against God, uh, that they are his enemies, and that they will never be saved, and that he hates them as God hates them. Right. Um, he's not messing, you know, fine and he knows this person or that person is. Is or is not. And he loves, of course, the worst people wherever they are, even if, even in the States. States. Yeah, if they're in, you know, in the right converted state. And in the right state, they may be doing very worthy things that are just like what the uh, mm-hmm. reprobates are doing. They may be plotting and committing murder. Um, but.
5: Uh, on that note, like I've heard someone talk about how they hate people that don't um, that are against Christ right now, that like don't love him, don't model him, hate him or anything. So uh, are we that's supposed partner, to be right? So we love everyone or are we just love those that are we Well now? we're
2: to uh, demonstrate we're to demonstrate love to mm-hmm. Yeah, again, we talked about whether there are exceptions to this, they're, you know, whether ever whether evil is ever manifest in some people to the point where it becomes obvious to our judgment that they're reprobate. And you know, that's a discussion we could get into <laughs> Well, I think my own but <laughs> <laughs> um, but generally speaking, you know, a person who today
4: is. So it's in general terms, we hate the reprobate. But yeah. we don't necessarily know who the reprobate is. Right. So even That's if right. they're not professing Christ right
1: now, we can't really say who No, because no. no, someone not professing Christ right now maybe professing Christ, you know. In you ten, know, 10 years' time. No. or you know, no. years Sorry. <clears throat> well, the point here is that they knew the reprobate were. And when we don't, you know. Calvin wrote a letter to, I can't remember what, Queen, whose uh, son was a big singer, and the church had simply uh, been excommunicated uh, him from heaven, <laughs> not from the church. And uh, she asks why 33 did treat everybody that way, and only her son. And if I can remember, you know, I have a book at home, the letters of Calvin. He wrote a letter sent to her, and that's one of the things he said, you know. That's why I told the word the term we don't have an aphtometer an or electrometer. Yes. Uh, he said uh, there's no uh, perceivable to our human eyes mark of election or reprobation. So.
2: But in the end, in the judgment, you know, looking forward to that, in the judgment will we having a sympathy for Satan mm-hmm. when all it's revealed. So we have any sympathy for the reprobate, not all that's mm-hmm. No,
1: because God programmed it only to worship Him at that time. I mean, it's not going to be something after us. We'll,
0: we'll see them as He sees them. We'll, we'll see them that. as He sees them, we'll yeah. finally, you know, and And we will not
2: have sympathy for the fact that they are.
1: Finally, everybody will agree with me.
2: So, moving on then, we've, we've talked a little bit about the non elect angels and whether they're was such a thing as a fall of angels. We don't believe there are, we believe there are principalities and powers of God creates and puts them in place as they are. Um, and the scriptures often used to cite the doctrine blind, mind. of course, Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28, uh, Lucifer, and, uh, and the King of Tyre. Of course, Lucifer is simply a, a title representing what the King of Babylon was and his nature and his rebellion. Isaiah fourteen is only dealing with the king of and mentions nobody else. You know uh, Ezekiel twenty-eight is only talking about the king of Tyre, mentions nobody else and the judgment that will come upon him. Both are pronunciations of the judgment that's going to come on those kings. But there is an analogy in Ezekiel twenty-eight which can lead us to our next subject, that's Adam. There is an analogy to Adam, even though not to the devil at all. Yes. Yes. Say the Prince of Tyre, thus says the Lord God, Because your heart is lifted up and you say, I am a God. Now, some of this think this is a prophecy of Satan, it's exactly what the scriptures now say it says said well now against the king of Tyre, a prophecy against him. I sit in the seat of gods in the midst of the seas. Yea, you are a man and not a god, though you set your heart as the heart of a God. Behold, you're wiser than Daniel, and there's no secret that can be hidden from me. With your wisdom and understanding, you've gained riches for yourself and you gather gold and silver into your treasuries. By your great wisdom and intrigue, you've increased your riches and your heart is lifted up because of your riches, and so forth. Uh, but this is talking about a specific historical figure, a person that God is testifying against. So then we get into the lamentation starting in verse 11 against him. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre, and say it to him, Thus says the Lord God, You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfected in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The saris, topaz, and diamond, beryl, onyx, and jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and emerald, and gold, the workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. You were the anointed sheriff of the covers. I established you, you were on the holy mountain of God. You walk back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. You were now that's of course talk It's some man this is referred to, we don't know exactly what it is, but some covenantal type of uh, ceiling is a place in this king's past. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created until iniquity was found in you. We don't know the history of this king, but obviously at one point in his rule and reign, he what? This king was being against, Was doing what the Lord commanded him. Perfect right. for what God He Right. Uh, I don't know if it means that he at once, you know, properly uh, treated. You know, Israel as people, you know, maybe this means that there was some covenant made between him and uh, the the king of Israel, you know, to properly, you know, respect them and treat them as the nation that God had elected and so forth. But anyway, obviously, what it's saying is this king, from the standpoint of human rulers and what God expects uh, and commands you know, those that rule and have places to do, this king was on the right track one point in his life. And it compares that to, uh, you know, Adam's place in the garden. Is yeah. That,
3: is that, you're, you're only relating that because it's it's talking about Eden. Eden, right. Because Eden's also used that as a, for Jerusalem throughout like the scriptures. Yes, that does.
2: Uh, but it also he calls it the garden of God. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that, and of course, Jerusalem is also you parallel with Eden. The idea, though, is he was in a paradise or a, and maybe it does mean he was actually in physical Jerusalem. You could be right on that at one point. And I think that maybe, yeah, he was in Jerusalem and made some kind of covenant with uh, the king, one of the kings of Israel. Yeah. And the, and the Jerusalem
3: Bible, and depending on what translation you read, says he was covered by the anointed cherubim. Okay. In other words, not that he was the anointed cherub.
2: Yeah. He was covered by the right chair, whatever that means. Whatever it means. And we don't know what the ever one of these right. means. Um, and when I said you're on the Holy Mountain of God accounts probably referenced to Jerusalem. So the point of it is, is when God established this king, he was established in perfection. He was he operated according to God's command and the uh, way he up now. And uh, in that sense was parallel, I'm saying, to Adam. Uh, Adam, you know, was placed in a garden paradise, and prior to his act of rebellion, he was perfect. As far as his relational dealings with uh, God and his wife and all the things that he was meant to rule over. Yeah. So um, but what does that tell us about Adam's the state of his soul, as opposed to his relationships and the purpose that he serve. You know, this king, when it says, you are the seal of perfection, full of wisdom, and perfect in beauty, and uh, you're perfect in your, way, in your ways from the day you were created. It's only that he's found in you. Does that mean that this king had no sin? had no uh, wickedness in his nature no. of course not. Yeah. we they perfect yeah now we're bound here uh yeah and you know that's I think I think it's relevant to the Count, of it could be another word for reveal that's right now well, that's just go ahead. I was saying it says that you are a man and not, right. oh, and okay. he's not a guy so it's not right Now moving on then to you know, the story of Adam himself, and of course we know that we may not have too much time to get into Romans 5 tonight, which is you know the what has historically been used as the basis for the doctrine of original sin is Romans 5. And that's somewhat of a whole separate study to go through Paul's use of uh, Adam and Christ and what that represents. But uh we do know there. At least say that Adam is the representative of the elect in their sin, um, and as he sinned, so all the elect before their conversion sin. In fact, there's a first point I believe in their experience where they commit specific acts of rebellion against God. You know, they're conceived in iniquity. But there's that first point where. A situation arises, and you know, there's a definite rebellion, just like happened that. Uh, we don't remember where that was because we don't remember our, you know, early childhood. But at some point, it did occur. Uh, a will challenge that. I, I personally believe that that's true. Uh, it's either you know the first lie that we. Calculated and told, you know, knowing that it was wrong to do so, you know, we imagine a lot of things going Yeah. Those are the things that are not to, to, to us as of the elect. As the elect, not to us, but we experience them right. as Adam experienced them. Experience. Exactly. And the only
3: thing that, as being represented by Adam, federal headship is we are separated from God spiritually
2: tell our nature change, right, or, or life's about. In other words, it's Right, exactly. The difference between us is you know, we're not put in a situation like this king right. was or Adam was, where we're put in the perfect, you know, world of paradise uh, from the beginning. Most of us aren't. But, we're, but again, we're talking about our nature and how we're conceived and, you know, what similarity there? And I would submit the Scripture saying that it's all similar. It's not, there's not a contrast between Adam and the rest of the elect. There's a parallel, contrary to the doctrine of original sin, which says there's a contrast. It's that doctrine teaches that Adam was created perfect without any impulses to sin. So the federal headship of the retrograde would be the circle? In our teaching, yes. But uh, in the other teaching, Adam a federal head of all because he was created perfect, and uh, supposedly, if he had stayed perfect and perfectly obeyed, uh, we would all be perfect. We don't go that. Then uh-huh. uh, there's a if question, you know. Well, yeah. uh, if part the, the fact of the matter is that God purpose sent him the world. Right. There was no, you know, if question is if you, you know. If he would have obeyed perfectly, he would have satisfied some covenant of works and therefore he would have achieved salvation for all of us, and that's what we be. Yeah, we can't okay. ask that
0: question because scripture doesn't ask well, that. Well, there's no
2: justification, period, in the words of law doing so. No, right. He would have obeyed, not justified. But in Romans five, you know, Adam is parallel to those who hear. It talks about mankind, but, you know we can go to the Greek so I believe that Adam represents the elect and not the reprobate. Uh, Just in Christ, the parallel to Adam in Romans 5 represents the elect and not the reprobate. And in First Corinthians 15, and in uh, another passage that where it says, uh, "God's consigned all to disobedience that He might have mercy on all," and Romans 4, it's 11, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that all is that consigned to disobedience that He might have mercy on who is that all? Mm-hmm. That's the elect. That's not the reprobate.
0: Um, I just want to get into common mercy which is obviously false so, right yeah. the mercy in that context is salvation
2: right Yeah. Question. That's, you know, that's part of the crown that's in chapter 11 part of the crown and we're going to call that election. collection so uh, the point of it though is and there is no doctrine of a separate Adam or a perfect Adam or anything in the ancient writings or the Hebrew scriptures, I don't believe. I think when it talks about man and the nature he's created with, it's talking about Adam as well as, Adam means mankind. And we're all created the same as he is. We're talking about the elect. It's just that Adam in his perfect garden state did not, his flesh was not manifest until an opportunity uh, came by where he was tested and uh, disturbed this world of, of peace and serenity and revealed who he truly was. And that's, of course, it says, in God created a
5: an adult already, unlike the rest of us, you know. So he didn't have all the little childhood sins to get started on.
2: Well, no, he was an environment of perfection with no, right. he, he had no reason to this just like God or, you
5: know, God you know, I you know, have all this wonderful place. I have this, Life was pretty easy for him, I think. Uh, well, yeah, relevance. <laughs> the, uh, he did not
2: labor or toil or those things came after
1: <clears throat> the rebellion. That debunks the theory of uh, some psychologists that say the environment is mm-hmm. what makes one bad because Adam failed in the past of all environments, whereas Jesus succeeded in the worst
2: of all environments. That's right. And when people get up in the morning and blame their grouchiness on, you know, well, I'm just a physical human being, well, that's not right. Um, the, re- you know, the reason I'm acting sinfully in whatever way it might be, I can't blame that on my biological flesh. What
5: well, you going to blame on that? It's, it's my carnal nature, my sinful nature. That is
2: what well, is the cause of all sin, all of it. Uh, falling short of the way that we should be. Uh, so it's not your aching
5: back that's you know. causing it, it's your. No, sin Christ had God. aches and pains. Yeah, Christ, Christ you know,
2: suffered aches and, and did not in any way sin or rebel against God. So we can't say, you know, the idea that tears with thing. Even the sheep on the cross
0: being crucified,
2: yeah. you know, he wasn't complaining. Even as Christ was being you know, flogged by the ruins, in no way did you, know, you know, sin. You know, that's a, a punishment I don't think most of us want to think about how awful that would be. And that's after having already received the from the body of the Jews. So,
3: so you look at Adam and you say, okay, the problem we have is that we have set Adam up against Christ before the fall, because uh, apparently, and I think uh, uh, this was pretty much what I was trying to place on the board, that Adam, uh, in the flesh, was at enmity with Christ. I mean, it's the same. The flesh is always at enmity with Christ, right? no matter it, it, even Adam his flesh would be at enmity with Christ. He was manifested to be, and that, that
2: is the meaning of which is the end of chapter He says uh, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh that's the end of that the next verse is introducing the real here. and chapter should be before verse 25 verse 25 introduces the following chapter and they were both naked the man and his wife and were not ashamed that's introducing the story of chapter 3 it's not the end of chapter 2 so, you know, man with the breaking chapters. They're definitely the a place. Um, the introduction to chapter 3 is saying that they, they had a spiritual problem. They didn't know it yet. And what do we mean that happens in all this scripture has to say, about has nakedness in the clothing of God and his righteousness being the salvation that is contrary to man's rebellion and sin. So, in Hebrews 9 26, then what that is saying is
3: that Christ was needed, his death was needed even before the foundation so of the world. He's the last thing in the foundation well, of the was, was that was exactly, world. Yeah, Hebrew 9 because it uh, says that even if Christ's uh, priesthood was like Aaron's, he was needed before the foundation. So, like, um, with uh, Adam being, uh, like, the actual act of uh,
2: rebellion, of eating, from like, um, the tree would be, like, the, the sin, but then... It's, it's just a manifestation the of the flesh. It's a good tree bears good fruit, and evil tree bears evil fruit. That was just as much true in... So, dispen- state, right. universe, and just in sort of, there's no dispensational difference between before okay. and after the fall. So, still, in his nature, even before... Eating from the tree, sure. It was still like an evil nature. Just, that, that's what the, that's what they're He just didn't realize who he was here until it was manifest when the circumstance happened. What it boils down to, yeah. What it
3: down to is the preeminence of Christ by most religious would be after the fall. After the fall. right? They forget about before the fall.
2: Because before because
3: they're saying before
2: the fall, Adam might have foreseen the coming have the Christ. Yeah. and
0: they're also pulling Adam through all their problems
2: too don't they right yeah. yeah the first thing I'm going to do when I get to paradise is slap Adam in the face if you're to that. because you know uh, people they, first of all I believe people go to hell for the sin of Adam primarily <laughs> it is a personal sin which is then imputed to uh, uh, to all and not you know you just, it, really, not, so. it really makes no difference as far as any other sin it's, that that's the one that's involved in held uh, in that but well, you don't find any of that doctrine in the uh, the ancient Hebrew writings whether it's scripture or any of the other writings in harmonic scripture. Um, the the doctrine is this man about mankind is the same. He's created in two, with two spirits in which There is a historic path through whom sin entered the world. Yes.
5: Do you think that every child born that God creates within them the knowledge of humanity? Yes.
2: Good spirit, that was the spirit of wisdom, is not sufficient for salvation. In fact, it's perverse, perverted by the fact that the spirit of evil that is in the reprobate uh, is such that the nature of their souls cannot comprehend truth and cannot come into it. Of course, all the stains, but I mean, yeah. I if we get time before we close, I'll read a couple of interesting things on that from this world. But uh, the point of the spirit is they were both naked, the man and his wife were not ashamed, and then you know what happens when we get to verse 7, So then the eyes of both of them were open. again, Man, as man, soon as he realizes it's conditional, he goes after false means to make himself acceptable to God, right? and tries to cover himself with physical uh, leaves in order to uh, somehow shield his spiritual nakedness, which is what this is really about, uh, from God. As we see, because God later covers them. Yeah, and that's right, it takes away that covering and makes it a real covering. but... Yeah, I mean they actually felt that They actually felt that they would be more acceptable and standing stand before God with these leaves on than if they if they didn't have them. And that's that's how man is deceived. Uh, he thinks he can please God through his own efforts uh, when he realizes that he's in sin.
3: And just even to prove that more you to go down a couple more verses It shows that after he imposed himself. Then he heard the voice of the Lord as he was walking in the garden and he hid himself. And basically, he's telling him he's
2: hiding because he knows he's naked. So he's claiming to still be naked and yeah, he's trying to cover tried. up his yeah. sinful nature. Yeah, once they sense the Lord drawing near, they still uh, <laughs> they try to hide further. Yeah. They want more than leaves to hide them, they want bushes oh. and whatever else. That's the stand <laughs> So and then, yeah, Yeah. running from God and trying to hide, you know, have a vehicles (laughs) to that. You can go to hell and not escape the
0: presence of God. That's That's right, right. and
2: that's why I don't accept, you know, the idea of hell being something away from God's presence, you know, there's a lot of talk. That's that's not in the Bible.
5: Um it's just funny because all my life I've been talking about that like, Adam was perfect, you know, and then he fell and he sinned because, you know, that's just because he disobeyed, you know, and it's just, it makes more sense thinking that, you know, well, Adam wasn't God, so it's not like he can really be created perfect, you know, and holy and stuff, and so it's like he was created with a sinful nature, and it's like God created this all to happen, you know, it's like he used the serpent, he created the serpent to just, you know, to, uh, Showed Adam his sinful nature, you know? It's like, he said, yeah. his eyes are open to his yeah. sinful nature, it's always there. It's just that God predestined at a certain time, and that apple for it to be opened. And that's right. Yeah, it's just kind um, of interesting.
2: And then I believe after that comes his regeneration. But when God promises, I so put Adam's uh, she name yeah. yeah. for that. I will you and the woman in between your seed and her seed, and there's the two. Her seed is the elect. Her seed is the elect. The seed of Eve uh, refers to Christ, of course, ultimately, who is the representative the elect, but it also refers to those that are in him. And the seed of the serpent is all the non-elect. And that's what Christ says up, your other father, the devil is talking about right here. Absolutely. Okay. Um, now one final point that would be interesting to cover um, is this matter of truth because um, regeneration of we have often talked about and this is what my next scroll study is on is this issue of truth being the great separator between the elect and non-elect which is so prominent in The Hebrew writings. Um, of course, we we'll see in the Christ parable of, you know, of the soils. Uh, the only ones who understand the word are the elect. No others understand it. seeing things see and not perceive. They just that there's, there's a certain amount of truth to get out of it. They don't perceive its real depth. Hearing things may hear and not understand. So Christ told spoken in parables so, so that those who are not his would not understand the truth.
1: Lest at any time
2: they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. Now listen this statement from to the Psalms. This is, you know, the scrolls that didn't exist in the 1950s and these The shoot of holiness grows up into a oh, this is wonderful. The shoot of holiness grows up into a planting of truth, hidden out of scenes. And because it is not known, its secret is sealed up. But you, O oh God, you protect us fruit with the mystery of powerful warriors. Holy Spirit's and the world flame of fire, so that none may come to the fountain of life, nor will eternal trees drink the waters of holiness, nor may his fruit flourish with the plan of the heavens, namely the one that he sees has not recognized and considering has not believed in the spring of life. I and mean, that's, you know, clear, that's the same thing Christ is saying, that the truth is given from... Mm-hmm. So the tree of life. That's right, and... Uh, this goes on to say that uh, all the people shall know your truth and all nations your glory. So on the one hand, they you know, the truth is completely hidden from them, yet on the other hand, you know, they come kind of to know it in one sense. We're gonna see that For you have brought your truth and glory to all the men of your council in lot together with the angels of the presence. And there is no mediator for we believe the wicked, but you know, that part is too born to know what it's saying in that portion. They, the elect, will return at your glorious word, and they shall be your princes in the eternal lot. Your people blossoms and flower forever to raise up a shoot to be the branches of an eternal planting. It will cast shade. And this is him talking about this tree of, you know, of truth. It will cast shade over all the world as far as the heavens and its roots reach to the depths. All the rivers of Eden shall walk. Over the world without end, and as far as shield, the spring of life shall become an everlasting fountain without end, and its brilliant flames, all the children of injustice shall burn, and it shall become a fire which burns up all the men of guilt completely. This is the truth. It's saying, it shall become a fire which burns up all the men of guilt completely. Now what do we think of those words? That's pretty
3: much what uh, Jesus was telling Pilate. And I mean, it, it, when you're talking about truth, the only God, uh, he says, uh, <clears throat> Thou says that I am king to this same one I have born, for this cause came into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone
2: that is of the truth, hear my voice. Right. So that would be exactly, That's the exactly what it's saying. Uh, in fact, I had that scripture in here. One of my, uh, that I'm but the... The idea here is they know they learn, the reprobate learn just enough truth to destroy them. That's, they learn just enough, we might even say, of eternal truth. The most important aspects of God's privilege, and they know they learn just enough that it doesn't They're destroyed by it. It's like a plant that, you know, is heavily fertilized and grows up quickly and then vanishes. They can't have it. it's, You know, it's it's beyond the real depth of it. It's beyond their it wisdom to grasp, but they nonetheless see enough of it that they're done. Does that make sense? Or mm-hmm. And it's God's know, yeah, So it, God's, God does not hide everything from the non-elect. Otherwise there'd be no judgments, there'd be no No basis for guilt. And uh, do they truly understand the gospel? No. Uh, do they know that the language of the gospel was scary to them? Yes.
1: It's interesting that you say saying this, because without uh, uh, know, getting into much detail, we just had a post-it for somebody to say God is not the center. Uh, that he would uh, allow a certain book to be there, you know. And uh, I thought to myself when I read that something that is related to what you're saying here, which is to inform the guilty, the reason for his guilt is not being deceptive, it's being just. And the reason why God reveals. Certain things to the moneylender is not it's in a deceptive way, and, and he hides other things. Is not a, a deceptive way to. Uh, it's not. It's not. A, it's not deception. that's what I want to say. It is actually justice. He is. It's, it's like the officer arresting somebody, verandizing the person, and then telling him you you are being arrested for murder or something. It's like informing the person. The reason for his uh, so it's justice, not deception.
2: And the portion of the gospel that the reprobates understand, they know they hate it. But the reason they hate it is they don't really understand it. That's the, that's the uh, seeming tension there.
1: And the analogy is still proper because uh, the... Uh, the criminal knows that his crime is wrong, but somehow he can get away from doing it because he thinks he can get away from doing it and get away next time. Yeah, that's right. So I uh it's not deception from God to inform somebody of something that they probably already know, but uh, and hide other things. You know, I think I'm not expressing myself very well because the thoughts are still wired in my mind, but in the rest of it is also <laughs> but, uh, I believe it's justice. That's that's the way God is, it's just. You know. Uh, Paul says is is glory for one and corruption for the other. You know, the gospel speaking about the gospel, so so uh, but the gospel is the same both.
2: <laughs> and does the Holy Spirit work in the context? Yes, it does. It says like that, right. uh, he, Otherwise, there'd be no sin against the Holy Spirit if He didn't work. Um, it's just that mm-hmm. the Spirit can bring truth, but a heart that cannot receive it, the nature which is very, is to rebel against it. Mm-hmm. Um, So you what
3: you're saying, that the spirit would work the same in in the reprobate and the elect,
2: but the heart had changed in the elect. Yeah, in one aspect, the same. I wouldn't say the same in one aspect, the same. He brings certain propositions of truth to both. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And then then Jesus said that they will see, but they will not be seen. And if if we we all agree that the word seen in, in, sometimes in ancient language needs to know. They will know. They will not know that they <coughs> can
2: Well, time is into this, uh, Brandy last words we have to
0: vacate at this point. Uh, no last words except, uh, tomorrow, uh, Milt will be unleashing the secret weapon. So.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <And cut. laughs>